0: E-S-N-Y forget about you this is the you may be right podcast with jb and paul D, part of elite sports new york radio the voice the
1: pulse of new york city sports uh, Paul D, how was your time off? You know, it was great, JB. Uh, uh, my, the wife and I took a nice, uh, nice little vacation down to Orlando to visit friend, to visit uh, friends and family, and it was okay. it was lovely. It was it was hotter than Hades down there. I mean, yeah, it, Florida. Th- think, but think. The, I mean, it was hot. Uh, I think even by Florida standards. Think the New York City heat wave, but crank up that humidity about thirty or forty percent, and that was Orlando. The week we went down there It was brutal. We flew back into the heat wave, right?
0: Because uh, um. We, um, my wife Caitlin and I, we took a a Disney cruise from Vancouver up the Ala- up parts of the Alaskan coast. That and sounds lovely. It was nice. Um, wh- Here is what I didn't realize: um, Alaska, beautiful as it is, you don't realize until you get there how much of it is the sticks. Really, like we, we were there the uh, the capital,
1: uh, Juneau. Because we were there just uh, driving maybe half an hour to an excursion. Wait a minute, you mean Alaska isn't from from northern shore to southern shore just a bustling metropolis? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Cause I because mean, that's news to me. The downtown hub of Juneau. And exactly nobody else. <laughs> so the downtown hub of it's Juneau. It's small.
0: It's freaking Alaska, man. I didn't realize how small, though.
1: It's uh, like it's downtown
0: small. Juneau. I didn't re- like you could walk through the entire thing and. I don't know an hour. Yeah, no, it's
1: not big. The cities aren't big. Yeah,
0: there. Ketchikan is a tourist trap, but it's it's really cool looking once you because there's there's what? This, what Ketchikan? Yeah, Alaska's first ever city. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. and you you walk in. And you get off the boat, the first thing you see is this giant, kitschy wooden sign that says in big letters, Welcome to Ketchikan, Alaska's first city. But on the whole, it was a great trip. Saw lots of bald eagles in the wild. Nice, nice. Uh, saw some orcas uh, goofing around by the side of the boat. Took a cool video, which I'll show you later. Okay. I saw sea otters in the
1: wild. You... Sea otters. Oh, my
0: God. They're so cute. They are adorable. Yeah. They're,
1: they are They are an adorable animal. And, um, according... I've only seen pictures, but they're adorable. According
0: to the naturalist who was on the boat, uh, on this little ferry we were taking around the ocean, These sea otters were mostly boys, so they're kind of wrestling each other in open water. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh God, someone's going to drown. But um, now, have you been on a cruise
1: before? I have been on a cruise, but never to Alaska. Okay, so you know that on the cruise you're going to see uh, some weird characters. You're gonna, it's yeah, you're that's you're kind of stuck with them. Yeah, you but know, you're stuck with everybody for for how many ever. But days. it's pretty much free TV, right? It, in, it, it,
0: in a good way and in a bad way. It, it's 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 very fun. We kind of had the best of both worlds because I oh man, this is this is going to be great for the show. I met a judge from Oklahoma who is a Yankees fan. Wow, and the reason he is a Yankees fan is because his dad played in the minors with Mickey Mantle. But, yeah, that'll... An Oklahoma. Oklahoma. That will render you um, a, a Yankee fan for life. Yeah, he's a, he subscribed to the podcast. So, Great. So, Judge Richard Kirby, uh, Your Honor, if you're listening, uh, thanks for tuning in. Your Honor, as always, it's a pleasure to be broadcasting for you. Yeah. And last thing I'll say about the trip. So... There was a guy on the boat, we'll say he was around sixty years old. Okay. Dyed black hair and not a good dye job. Right. Like you're looking at this guy and you're looking at him. This guy isn't just Italian and swarthy. This guy paid a lot of money to have his hair dyed that color. Right. But also he was a larger man. And um okay, you're you're what, like
1: five ten, five nine? Yeah, about five nine, five ten.
0: Okay. So this guy was at or around your height maybe a little shorter, mm-hmm. about sixty and a larger dude and
1: here's the kicker i'm little not... more a little more heavy set is what you're trying to say uh, even heavy set's being generous <laughs> a little little more ample he's a more ample gentleman yeah and uh, I... he has uh, uh, shall we say unique uh proportions is, yes, is that what you're yes. saying Yes. i am not trying to shame cuz like he's got... a man of a particular majesty is that what you're trying to say exactly Okay. yeah and i, I just just want to <laughs> how much
0: further do you want to take the bet? and I, 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 I think i'm done okay
1: <laughs> Now- i now... I've got a bit of a
0: gut myself, and I'm not trying to shame anybody, but right. at least with, with me, I know where my chest begins and my stomach ends. This guy, they kind of mashed together, and on to-, to add insult to injury... He has not learned how to dress with these certain proportions. He's wearing, you know, like a Mickey Mouse T-shirt, the The jeans are the khakis hiked halfway up his waist, like typical old man fashion. Right. And like, here, I'm going to de- demonstrate with my phone. He's kind of walking around like an action figure, like, there, 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 there. Okay, nah, like so that.
1: weebles wobble, but they don't fall down.
0: They do not fall down. And and God bless this man. He was having the time of his life. Good. Yeah. Um, uh, And the cruise director was this little short blonde British woman named Natalie as was our activities director, who is like a lab British girl named Joe. And so apparently they have an inside joke that Natalie is called Baby Spice by the crew. And Joe said this to Natalie's face when Natalie was watching in, watching activity in the background. And sure enough, in typical New Yorker fashion, I just start going, "Baby Spice, Baby Spice!" Every time she comes in the room, the entire
1: bar did it with me. Very nice. It was awesome. You got to get a good chant going every now and then. Yeah, it frees the uh, it uh, it frees the soul. I've heard. But you, you enjoyed your time off? I definitely did. Um, you know, I enjoyed the Red Sox a bit less. <laughs> um, than than then my time. We're not we're not a great team in in I mean I I think the, what what July's taught me so far you know you know both before and after the to the uh, the All Star break is that. We're not a great team. Uh, and at times, I thought we weren't even a good team. Uh, I think that but I think the Red sox are 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 a good team, a good to decent team with a with a with a better than decent shot at the wild card right now, or at least the way that they're playing. I'd agree
0: the The problem with the Red Sox has been all year long is a consistency,
1: right? Because I saw something on Twitter. Not like- only not only in team performance, by the way, JB, but to put a finer point, point on it, it's with individual player performances. You know, pitchers from one outing to the next. You know, Sale is a great example of this from one outing to the next you, you, sometimes you don't really know what you're getting uh, I think the the least consistent would probably be Porcello and because he is, uh, his performances have had the widest variance I mean he spun a gem an absolute gem against the Twins you know and then comes out you know a couple outings later and lays an egg so you know you, sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get Speaking
0: of Red Sox pitching poly D right. you know, let's talk about the London series a oh, little bit
1: Oh no Yeah we, we no, have but, to come no, on No but for that series we left all our pitchers at home and we were starting uh, you know, just just people off the street of London is is my my understanding. It's my understanding of how it went down, uh, and that's the only understanding that I'll accept. And I will uh, and I will, will brand as fake news any other attempt to uh, to you know. Look, I'll say this much about the London series: it was fun. I liked it. Yeah, it was a fun, it was a
0: fun experience. It's fun getting up at ten o'clock in the morning, turning the game on. Right. But I'll say this.
1: Because it's happening again next year with the Cubs and the Cardinals, I think. Which I think, again, you know, MLB doesn't do everything right, but unlike the NFL, they got this one exactly right. You send your rival, you send yeah, your rivals over. You know, you send your best. The teams London over.
0: series results aside, went about as well as anyone could have hoped. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. the The problem is because it was so unseasonably hot for the first game, and the way the stadium was structured. You, you mentioned before we went on the air. Um, outfielders were saying in right field, the ball knuckled, breaking balls weren't cooperating. Right. Um, I think that I understand that this was the best, this was the best stadium seats and capacity wise sure. to get the most bang for your buck. But given how hot it was, given how the ball pretty much was traveling out of there at breakneck speed and not favoring the pitchers at all. Right. I think that next year you need to either now, now not next year, uh, but start if you want to continue it after that, you have to consider, A, moving it to one of the cricket stadiums and just take a bath on, on capacity. Sure. Or maybe, like, cording off parts of the field for standing room only.
1: What's the capacity on those cricket stadiums?
0: You know what? Let's actually look that up. Is its it 20,000? Is it 10,000? Is it I'm going to look up the Oval Cricket Ground in
1: London. Because um, that that's the big one, from right. what I understand. But look, I mean, the Red Sox do just fine, and arguably the smallest with the, arguably the smallest park. Global's capacity for cricket is twenty uh, five thousand five hundred. I mean, that's a small park. That is a small park, but it's not so small that it would shame a major league, two major league franchises to play in front of it. You know what Absolutely I mean? Absolutely
0: not, because you know, because you know that with all the American expats who live in London, just working in the financial industry, right? You know that whatever money you lose at gate, you're probably going to make up for in merch. I
1: and would assume. Concessions. I would assume in ticket prices, ticket prices as well. Um, you know, are going to are going to go up accordingly. You know, because yeah. of the, because of the lower capacity, ticket prices might be. You know, for at least the best seats, might be through the roof. But that's kind of what you want, right? You want to build demand. Scarcity helps do that, and I I don't actually see why why that would be a, a terrible idea. Unless, it, unless you don't think you can actually, you know, get a get a major league baseball game in there, because I'm not, I'm unsure of the field dimensions, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to get a little creative with the field dimensions. I mean, the one, the ones at London Stadium where uh, where West Ham United plays, um, it was, now it was less than 400 feet out to center, right? But, the, but the center field wall was 16 feet high, so that kind of leveled it out a little bit, right? Um, and there was an acre, there was acre upon acre of foul ground. Yeah, uh, almost like Oakland. Right. Either way, it was a fun series. The the Yankees swept it, uh, the score of the first game, once I can pull it up. 17-3. to three, Or 17-13. 17-13, and the, then the Yankees won the next one 12-8, and they came from behind in
1: that one. Right. I, I mean, look, both teams, uh, offenses, both teams' offenses have quitted themselves really well. Should, the fact of the matter is, I mean, Alex Cora gave an give a give an interview um, afterwards and and stated that you know we just weren't ready for anything. We were tipping pitches. We were doing everything wrong out there. This that and the other thing. I, I don't
0: think it was necessarily tipping pitches. I think that it, hey, that's some, what he
1: that, look. That's what he said. And
0: I if that's what if that's his story and he's sticking to it, great. God bless him. But I heard commentary and I, there was Twitter. Uh, infielders couldn't see the ball because of white seats. The right. sun was getting in the way. Breaking balls weren't breaking. Breaking balls weren't doing a thing. It was like, it was like batting practice. Right. Practically. Um, but like I said, it was fun. I think MLB got it right. Um, now all we need to do is focus to the next Yankees Red Sox series, which starts tomorrow. At Fenway, it's our first home series. I know it's the first
1: time the Yankees have gone to Fenway this year. It's kind of a shock, right? Uh, halfway through the season, I mean, the, you know, it couldn't come at a more dire time for the Red Sox. I don't think uh, coming off of uh, of a kind of sneaky series win against the Rays, uh, where they, you know they jumped all over the Rays the first game of the series, and they kind of hung on uh, yesterday, they dropped the third game of the series today. But you know, they had this. This is a really tough stretch for the Red Sox. They've got the they've got the Rays twice, and they've got I believe they've got they've got the Yankees twice. Uh yeah cuz we've got we've got 4 at
0: Fenway then we got Monday off, come home for two against Arizona, which I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go to at least
1: one of those. And games. then we got and then we got four more at the stadium, don't we? Or three uh, more
0: at the yeah, stadium. Yeah, four more at uh yeah, there's four more at the stadium because uh, cause Saturday's a doubleheader. Right. And so... uh, I'm going I'm going to the Friday game with my wife and my father in law, who's who's a Red Sox fan. Right, that should be a blast. It's um, gonna be a that blast. That should
1: be a blast for him as as he watches the Red Sox. We, get took destroyed. Him,
0: we took him and his wife to their first ever Yankees game uh last year.
1: Good part to watch a ball game in. Yeah. Yeah because you know. we because our seats are in the left field bleachers I mean that's a nice that's a nice spot to sit and watch a ball game. Yeah. Yankee Stadium is easy in, easy out. There's a ton of transportation up there. Uh, I feel similarly about Fenway Park that that it's just a good place to watch a baseball game. Yeah, uh, I mean I,
0: I haven't been to Fenway since 2006, but it, it is a fun place to watch a game.
1: Right. So I mean, but the Red Sox are in a pretty dire situation for them. I mean, they're ten and a half games back now. If the Yankees win today, that goes to eleven. They're going to be eleven games back. You know, I think the division. JB might be out of reach for them at this point uh, in the season. Uh, may, you know, barring barring a, a superlative performance over the next week and a half against the Rays and the Yankees. Uh, in, the, we'll in, the, see. in the with the eight they've got against, they're playing the Yankees eight times. Look, if they win seven of those, now the division's back in play. Do I think they're going to win seven? No, I don't. What they need to do is they they just need to keep trying to win series as many as they can and stay ahead in the wild card because the Yankees are in you know the Red Sox are in real danger if they if they underperform at Fenway this weekend, uh, they're in they're in they're in real danger of watching the Yankees run away and hide with this thing especially before the, before the end of July and two of these games being nationally televised certainly doesn't help matters. Uh,
0: Let's go over the pitching matchups real fast. So so Thursday uh, we've got Tanaka, Masahiro Tanaka against the aforementioned Rick Porcello. This game, it's hard to say because Tanaka his last few games, he's gotten off to a very strong start, but then he's kind of had that one bad inning. Sure. Uh, He was cruising against the Rockies uh, this past weekend and then just gave up five runs in an inning. The,
1: The Red Sox haven't done terribly against him this
0: year. Um, yeah, I mean, Tan- I mean Tanaka, he can hold his own against the Red Sox. Right. Uh, it's just a matter of if he has that splitter and that slider working because because sure. he, he depends depends a lot on chase rate. I think that depending on which version of him shows up, right, um, and how aggressive the Red Sox are, that could that could be a toss up. The real game, the next game after that though, and this one I think is is going to be a slugfest. You got James Paxton who's been struggling as of late. Against Andrew Cashner, the newly acquired Andrew Cashner from the
1: Baltimore Orioles, I actually think that's going to be a W for the Yankees. I do, uh, given how Paxton has performed against the Red Sox this season. Um, I think I think the Red Sox are facing an uphill battle with with Cashner on the mound. Cashner, they brought in Cashner to stabilize that fifth spot in the rotation. Right, yeah, it, that fifth spot in the rotation where their ERA has been otherwise seven point seven four. Right, you know, so you can't win games that way. If you, every every, if every fifth spot in that in the rotation, you're giving up eight runs a game, you're not going to win those games, right? So they brought him in to stabilize that, and he really hasn't done that. I think he's underperformed given how he performed early in the year, but maybe this is who Andrew Kashner always was, and he's just regressing back to the mean. I don't know. What I do know is James Paxton's stuff is certainly superior to Andrew Kashner's. See, it's funny you mention that because just today on
0: ESNY, I had an article go up about what's been going on with, uh, with Paxton because he has not looked himself as a whole this season. Right. Except uh, for early, early, early. Right. Ever since, ever since the knee, he ha- he's been kind of touch and go. Yeah. And he himself even said that when he came back, the knee wasn't feeling 100% he was going to pitch with a brace on. And it's on his left leg, and then the land leg is important. Yeah. So on the year, he's five and five with a four point two OERA, one point four seven whip. Now I went to Fangraphs. I tried to diagnose the problem. Sure. Found two things. First up, his walks per night innings are up a little over a point. Last year he averaged I think about two point seven four. Right now they're at about three point six. All right. So it's a good, that's a control issue. Yeah. So, and um, based on how he looked against the the Rockies, I mean, three and a third innings, five hits, seven runs, four earned, three walks, six strikeouts. Yeah, they jumped all over Yeah, and since he came back from the knee injury on May twenty ninth, Paxton is two and two with an ERA north of five. That's in the month of June. Two, significant. Two and one in the month of June, but has but had an ERA over seven. Right. So. And now, now that, that number is very inflated because in two separate starts, he gave up six earned runs. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, I looked at his pitch usage. Now, he's primarily a fastball guy. That's no. not going to change. Right. But what are his other pitches? He has a cutter and a knuckle curve. Now, just for comparison, I'm, I'm pulling up the Fangraphs page as we speak, so bear with me, folks. Dang. Okay. But either way, one, I'm going to get the percentages down in a second. But one thing I noticed is that this year, he's throwing his cutter a lot more than he's thrown his curve. Now, to put that in perspective, here are the numbers on that. He has thrown his fastball... Now, his fastball velocity isn't down, so that's not a problem. No. The control is. Right. Which is a mechanical issue, which is a landing leg issue, I would assume. Yes. So, he's got... So, last year, for the Mariners, he threw his cutter 14.3% of the time... Average velocity eighty nine miles per hour. Through his curveball twenty one and a half percent of the time. Average velocity of eighty one point two. This year, he's thrown the cutter twenty one point one percent of the time, and it's down a mile per hour in velocity. The curveball he has thrown fourteen percent of the time, and that's down from eighty one point two to just eighty one. So the velocity there isn't an issue, right? But maybe something's going on with the with the knee, with the overall control, where he's trusting the cutter more than he does the curve, right? Now. I'm not a pitcher. I've never been a pitcher. I don't know how this works. But it seems that Paxton is having these issues. And depending on the knee, I would say to him, look, try it without the brace. Try doing a throw day or a bullpen session without your brace. Right. See how you feel. Or if not, like try just go back to the curve a little more. Trust your stuff. Well, or do you shut
1: them down for a certain amount of time to try to let them
0: heal? Eh, I don't think you shut them down for a certain amount of time because because knees are tricky. I've had right. ba- I've had bad knees ever since I was a teenager. But
1: that said, Dustin Pedroia can tell you all about how tricky knees are. Oh yeah. Is he is he going to be back this year at all? No. No, he's not. I oh, think that I, he's, he's he's probably all done. Oh, but the, geez, I mean Rick. but but the but the point is but the point my my only point is do you do the I think the Yankees are would actually be deep enough to shut him down for a certain amount of time and just be able to kind of coast.
0: That's hard to say. The way I mean, this
1: lineup can mash the ball and you know the way that bullpen it, you know how as good as that bullpen's been um you know I it, Arguably, they could do it. I mean, the danger is you fall right back to the Red Sox and the Rays, and then you're in a dogfight the rest of August and September. Yeah, time.
0: and and that brings me to the next to the next two pitching matchups. The Saturday one is
1: uh, CC Sabathia versus Eduardo Rodriguez, and
0: Erod looked pretty good his last start.
1: You know, uh, look, one of my predictions in, in, at the outset of the year was that Erod become you know enters the Cy Young conversation at some point during the year. The kid's twelve and four. Yeah, and you, I think you predicted 15 wins for him. I think so. Uh, Twelve. He's 12 and four. He's facing C.C. Sabathia. He's looked good. His stuff. His stuff isn't overpowering, but he locates when he's on. He locates. He has had
0: a very good July.
1: When he's on, he locates really well, uh, and he can work. And he's durable. He can work deep into ball games. Yeah. And that's what the Reds, quite frankly, that's exactly what the Red Sox need right now. I give the edge to the Red Sox in that one.
0: Yeah, so would I. Just because C.C. Sabathia, he's older now, and how effective he is is so dependent on his cutter. Right. So, because as good as he's looked against the Red Sox the past these past couple of years, if he doesn't have that cutter, and he didn't have it uh, against Minnesota a couple of days ago, right? Game over.
1: If he's not throwing strikes, game over. I mean, it's... yeah.
0: Now, now, granted, like I. I could I'm not going to make excuses cuz the pitching staff hasn't performed at the bar in Minnesota. Right. But it also doesn't help that the umpires have not been good.
1: <laughs> no, they ha- they have it. You know, let's let's take let's take a minute and re- kind of reset what's happened in Minnesota thus far because it's been a really interesting series. Yeah. Um, um cuz the Yankees they were Especially last night's game with its spectacular um, I'm, ending. I'm
0: still recovering from that game. I know, I know. It's a spectacular Five hours, ending. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, the first game, uh, Sabathia, they were just jumping all over him. The, the Yankees lost eight six, and they they had
1: they had and they kept it close.
0: Yeah, they they were able to to close the gap. But the problem is, the way Sabathia was pitching, they were just constantly playing catch up. Right, right. Uh, and that's what it looked like last last night. So I I, I was telling someone else about the game tonight because I I went to bed still coming down from the high of the game. I woke up and maybe it was like this weird travel dream I had, but my heart was still racing.
1: Right. When I woke up. So I caught the I caught the game starting in the eighth inning. Yeah. Um and in the eighth inning, um I think the Yankee what happened? The Yankees okay. gave up the weed to Minnesota. But before we go get to the eighth inning, let's give a timeline
0: of the game. So Didi Gregorius hits a two-run double in the first. Okay. Um the twins take advantage of some well-timed hits and walks, and all of a sudden they tie the game. And then all of a sudden it's eight to two. Domingo Herman, like his fastball and curveball were flat. He just couldn't throw strikes. The Yankees keep they make it eight five with Gregorius with a three run home run. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. And then all of a sudden it's nine to five. Then it's nine eight because you had Mike Talkman with a with a key double. Uh, just missed a home run because they got that high wall in right center right judge just missed a home run he had a two-run double so all of a sudden it's nine eight right and nobody's missing any bats you know in this game yeah
1: you know everyone's
0: everyone somehow is finding the, no, no, the no, way i'm sorry judge only had a one-run double because urshel uh, or somebody uh hesitated and had to stop at third right um so then who comes up gregorius after a well-timed walk from luke voigt and Gregorius just launches one to right field off the wall. Suddenly, the Yankees are up 10-9. Right. Then, Zach Britton comes on, gets one out, like, wrapped right that's back where, to him. So, that's
1: where I came on. Yeah. When the Yankees, when the Yankees went up 10-9. to nine. Right. So, Britton comes on, gets
0: one out, walks a guy. Miguel Sano, who is... I guess the right-handed Minnesota version of David Ortiz, just because right. he's a big old Dominican dude. Right, he's is he, just is, he's he, a, is he Dominican?
1: I, I'm not. I'm not actually sure. So let's look I'm, this up. because I don't want to catch I'm, heat
0: for that. <laughs> I'm
1: not going to comment. But he's uh, he's been he a, is Dominican. He's yes. been a beast. This Six year. four two
0: sixty. How many? What
1: is he? Twenty five home runs on the year or something like that? No, he doesn't have that many. I don't think. Are you
0: sure? Uh, he's got sixteen. Sixteen. Uh, well, yeah. you know they say they. He's also been hurt a lot this year, so he's only batting two thirty two. But he's got 16 homers and 32 RBIs, and he had two home runs last night, and as you saw with the, the go-ahead one to make it 11-10, right. the guy can mash.
1: No, he can He's a, He's a big, burly dude.
0: Yeah, and so then the ninth inning comes, like, Yankees fans are like, all right, here we go, tough loss, but hey, at least we showed fight. Right. Um. So another well-timed walk. Sure. Uh, I think also from – this was the one from Luke Voigt. Two-out walk on the ninth, and then who comes up? Aaron Hicks. Yep with two outs in the ninth inning against his former team launches one over the left field fence a no doubter too yeah I mean like one one thing I've been saying and you might have noticed this watching highlights of Hicks is that um, I, I don't want to curse on the air but uh I've I've said very often the only way to describe Aaron Hicks's home run swing is FU. <laughs> it is an FU swing. It's right. like, uh, pff, all right, get out of my face. Right, right, right. Like from the left side, it's almost Griffey esque.
1: A nice, nice, bat, nice bat flip at the end of it too. It was great. Yeah, it was a very,
0: very nice bat flip. But he had. Bottom of the ninth. You and I had lots of conversations about
1: this. Aralys Chapman could not get it done. No, he couldn't c- find the strike zone to save his life. I mean, I, I assume it. You know, you know, I assume he couldn't find the slot. You know, he just couldn't. He, yeah. he just he just couldn't you know get he just couldn't get his velocity under control enough to to reliably be in the strike zone yeah with it. He had so, three walks he gave he gave up a sack fly so as a result he's throwing this and it's crazy because you know usually somebody's get me over fastball is is significantly diminished from their actual from whatever the velocity they can do yeah. His get me over fastball is 95 miles an hour, now, which is crazy. Now that's, let crazy. That's let me know. Crazy. Let
0: me know if you notice this sure. because I noticed this at later on in the
1: outing his velocity actually went up. It did. So I'm wondering maybe he didn't have enough time in the bullpen. I think he I I, I think he had trouble finding the slot. Like yeah. he, he he had to he had to get or or as you maybe as you would say, you know, oh what do you know? You don't know baseball. Well, uh let's let's just say then he had trouble getting in the flow of the game. And he right. really didn't he really wasn't in the flow of the game till pitch about 24-25. Yeah. I mean they blew their chance um, you know, with the with the sack with the sack full. You know, they, yeah they, I mean, they, Jorge Polanco
0: already had a home run on the night. He he was killing the Yankees the first two games. Right. You gotta wonder if he hits that just a little harder. Maybe it goes over Mike Dockman's head,
1: right? Or you know, was that was the was the Didi Gregorius flip to? uh to To the second baseman in that inning, or was no, it no, that that was in the tenth. Okay, because tent. yeah. that was an amazing play as well.
0: That was an amazing play. Yeah, um, I thought for a second maybe he uh, got Rosario at first.
1: Right, I thought or, he. Or, I, wait, I thought was it he Rosario? Might. Oh no, I think it might have been Adrianza. I and, thought I thought he might have gotten the first base runner. Yeah, uh, or the, he might have a chance to. It was just a it was just a really pretty play, but we'll, you know we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, as far as the role of the Chapman goes, I th- I thought they had him on the ropes, but you got to beat him there because if you don't beat him there, I I don't I didn't have any faith that minnesota could miss any bats in extra innings yeah and i thought they i thought they'd come away with the loss
0: yeah and and uh aaron Boone in his postgame presser what the reason he didn't have anyone warming up he goes look we've had a gr- it was a big game like go big or go
1: home like, it's, make, it's, make them hit your guy it's the blessing and the curse of having a top line closer yeah when you get to the ninth there's nobody else to go to but when you get to the ninth, there's nobody else to go to. Yeah, and this umpire Ramon DeJesus was not having a good
0: game. Like, no, he yeah. was missing a lot of calls. Now it's his first year in the majors. He's up from the minors, so I don't want to give him too
1: much flack. No, but he. Ge- I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of Minnesota fans. I'll bet feel like he gave he gave the Yankees that inning in the eighth. Rocco Baldelli and Frank Rouse and the Twins hitting coach got tossed last night. And, and they're and they're not they're not hotheads. I'm sorry, Baldelli but, especially. I, they're they're just not. You know what I mean? They're not. Yeah. They're, they're not those type of guys who get run every other game. Yeah, but
0: it was and then in the tenth inning, the Yankees took advantage of mistakes, um, drew a walk, um, then you had Austin Romine with a blue pit. Torres hits a um hits a single Right. It and then Adavino ran in some trouble. Chad Green came on to get the last out. Lucky. Yeah. And Lucky. Aaron Hicks, the hero again. Shades of Bernie Williams. Oh man, it was a
1: go- it was a gorgeous catch, folks. Go online and watch this catch because I've I've watched it maybe ten times today alone. You know. So it's a so it's a it's a line drive. It's a line drive fading towards uh, towards in, the gap in left center. Towards the gap in left center, but it's fading away from the center fielder. Hicks yeah. Hicks goes into a full out dive. You know, fully outstretched dive to glove the ball, gloves it, slides on the warning track, and that's that's the ball game. Yeah, and just a gorgeous. Ryan Luco, who who was calling play by play, he really got into it too. (laughs) And a gorgeous catch.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't really believe it because at this point it was around one a.m. I'm like I'm tired, I want to go to bed. Right. I'm I'm still kind of jet lagged from coming back from Alaska and Vancouver. Sure. But it was worth it. Probably one of the best games I've witnessed in my lifetime. No, it was a good game. Yeah. It was a really good game. Like years from now when a Yes Network has Yankees classics they'll probably show this game.
1: Yeah. I mean this was um this was one of those kind of this was one of those testaments to the to the resiliency of this Yankees team, I think, and, and as and as well a testament to the to the to the quite frankly, the talent of this Yankees lineup that they could claw their way back in this game, take the lead not only take the lead, but keep taking the lead. I mean, they they were just they just couldn't get them out.
0: And let's not write the Twins off too, because the Twins—they're—I believe—they're leading all of baseball
1: in home runs right now. It's so crazy to see how the Yankees have fared against the Twins versus how the Red Sox fared against the Twins. You know, in the Twin, in the Red Sox Twin, ba- the Red Sox battles—you know—battle with the Twins in that in the one series that they that they've had. Uh, it was really—it was pitching. It, was, yeah. it all came down to pitching. They, they were they were crisp for the most part, except for the for the for the extra inning. Uh, for the long, long extra inning game, that, but they were crisp, well-pitched games, and it was timely hits that, that were the difference. I mean, these two games have been slugfests.
0: Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to uh, the Yankees-Red Sox series, because yesterday was a slugfest, and I would love to talk about it, but we got more to cover. The Sunday night game. What do we got?
1: Domingo Herman versus Chris Sale. I mean, sale has has been has sale been, has looked good as of late. Has been more sale like. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's not going. I don't think he's going. I don't think he's working as efficiently as he'd want. Right. Uh, it, but he's working a little bit deeper into ball games, and and what's more important, he's not. You know, over the last over his last couple of outings, he's been far more successful in holding opponents down. So you know, he's got got a couple of wins to show for it, including his first one at Fenway Park and over a year. Over his last two outings. You know, I I say at Fenway Park, you know, let's roll the dice. I'm going to go with our horse. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. I'm going with Chris Sale in this one. I am going to say flip a coin, and
0: here's why. So, Herman has faced the Red Sox once this year on June 1st, lasted three and two-thirds innings, gave up six hits, three runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. Quick hook. Yeah. Um, because I think that they got to, they got to him. They tied up in the third, and he was just kind of all over the place. Right. So they said, "Hey, come on, let's go." And then the bullpen hand kind of took care of the rest. Um, and I th- and I think that here's here's the thing with Herman. He knows how to work his fastball. He's got the velocity. If he has his a
1: curveball against the Red Sox, because he's got a pretty high chase rate, right. I think that good night, good night and good luck because we just saw from Charlie Morton today. Yeah, Charlie Morton had his A plus plus curveball working today. They couldn't figure him out.
0: Yeah, and whereas and Herman, he's also incorporated a changeup. He's learned how to pitch this year. Right. And I think that so long as we don't have a bonehead umpire behind the plate, so long <laughs> on
1: experience. Oh, Josh. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> JB, that's that's you know that you know as well as I do that that that's never a certainty. I think that do we we know who's behind the plate for these games? No, not yet.
0: Um, On experience alone, I want to say Sale, but the Yankees have also hit him so hard this year, right? That it could be a slugfest, it could be a duel, but I
1: think I think that this is going to be the game to watch of the series. I think it'll be a fun game. Yeah. I think because I'm a huge baseball fan, and I love baseball, and I love watching baseball. And much to my wife's chagrin, I've watched just about every game, every inning of every game this season. See, my see, my wife
0: was actually getting to the point where she'll watch the games with me.
1: You know, it's to the point where Emily's, you know, Emily's like, "Enough's enough." <laughs> well, she's also a Cubs fan, right? So there is that. I mean, I get the Cubs too, but she's just not the type to sit to want to sit down, and it is a grind. Yeah. you know, you kind of, you start to feel when you're when you're watching as much baseball as as we watch, you do definitely start to feel that it is a grind and what a long season it is and how many ups and downs there are in a given season. That's why I was kind
0: of thankful to go on vacation because you because you've seen on, on my Twitter, I'm making kind of in-game video reactions for us and why right now I'm doing like the uh, the vid- Yankees video post game reports. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the various GIF pop culture crossovers going on vacation it was kind of, even though i was still tracking who was winning who was losing the fact that my vacation started right at the all-star break right it was kind of a
1: relief cuz i just went oh i don't have to be funny on twitter for a while right right so. right 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 <laughs> no it's not look this season the season's a long one it's the it longest is. one in professional sports um, and I believe it's, you know, I believe it's the best in professional sports. I love baseball. So I'm going to I'm going I'm definitely I think we're both definitely going to enjoy all four games of the season. Yeah. My target is uh is Erod's game against okay. CeCe Sabathia. I yes. want to see I want to see him keep his July going. Um and I want to see him catapult start to catapult himself into that Cy Young conversation because You know, I think some of his peripherals aren't really Cy worthy this year and aren't going to be Cy worthy this year. But I think some of his more um, some of his more, let's say, standard statistics might fall into that category. And I think it would be a great confidence booster for him going forward to be in that conversation this year. And that all being said, given how how um,
0: high octane and exhausting the twin series has been, I think that
1: no disrespect to the Yankees or Red Sox. I think they're going to split the four games. I. The Red Sox really need to take three out of four. They really need to take three out of four. Uh, my fear is that they're not going to, and that they're going to split or lose three. Um, I think. I mean, a split wouldn't be bad because because the, the split, the series basically resets itself. I think what they're going to end up. I think the Red Sox can take three out of four, and they will. I think they're playing better, a better brand of baseball. I don't know where Nathan Ivaldi is, but he's been reinstated. Mitch Morwin's been reinstated.
0: Yeah, we're uh, real quick on because right now I'm actually going to set the timer on uh, the trade deadline talk.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, so we got 23 minutes on that. I think that Ivaldi's first outing back is proof positive that this man cannot be your closer. I What was it, like three walks or three runs or something like that?
1: Well, you know, it's...
0: Let me, let me pull that up,
1: actually, because it was... It was not a good look, to say the least. I mean, they have to. They have the the Reds. Uh, Dave Dombrowski has come out and said they're in the market for closers still. Yeah, okay. Or they're in the market for both. Two arms.
0: thirds of an inning, five hits, three runs all earned, and two strikeouts. You know, he's just tuning up. That's that's what I said. Yeah, say. yeah, because el- elbows are tricky. <laughs> but like at the same time, if you pretty much imply, hey, this guy's our closer once we get back, right? Or once he's back, rather. Maybe you rushed him back
1: from rehab. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure as a result how confident they are that he will be the closer. So I think they're still in the market for a bullpen arm.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I think in one of those bullpen arms might be a closer. I think Morlin could get flipped. I think Chavis could get flipped. There's you know D- didn't Chavis just get hurt, or, uh, not, or was that same Travis? Um, I believe it might
0: have been Chavis. Yeah. Was, or or no, he, or he got uh, held out. He got held out of the lineup with his, with uh, a back. Yeah, we're looking that up right now. We need to hire yeah, a researcher, yeah, yeah. I swear. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, it looks like um yeah, he pinch hit uh, in on Tuesday. Uh Cora was asked after the game on Monday about Chavis's back.
1: Uh did not rule him going on the IL. Right. Yeah, it's um be that as it may. You're looking at Chavis has. If you're if you're looking for somebody to to have audition this year as trade bait, Chavis has done a phenomenal job. Yeah, um, is that uh, Morwin could go, Pierce could go if anyone wants to pick up a salary. You know, I could see the I could, I could see the Red Sox doing a little bit of a salary jump, dump just to get a better arm out there in the bullpen because these guys are going to burn, be burned out by July thirty first if they're not careful.
0: Yeah, because and just looking at some of the guys who are available um, as a relief pitcher, and Giles is available. Ken Giles is available if you want. If you want to trust him, he can be a little wild, but on the whole, he's very good. Um, Tommy Hunter. He's he's still hurt. He's going to go see Doctor Andrews. Uh, Pat Nishik could be an interesting option because he's 39
1: years old, but he can still throw. You know, I'm I'm not sure if they're gonna if they're gonna want to gamble uh, on somebody uh, of that of that. Let's say it's, it's level. Also, it's also an expiring contract of though. that level of maturity. Let's just say. But well, the, hold on. I, I mean, look. I think the Sox are still in the market for a bullpen arm. I think they could still be in the market for another starter. You really think so? I do. I do. I mean, I think I don't think they have a lot to work with. I think the mandate coming, coming, you know, the top-down mandate from John Henry saying that we're not spending any more money is real. And I think they need to be. If they want to, you know, if they if they want to improve their team by the trade deadline, then Dombrowski and company, they need they're going to need to get creative. Here's one guy you could uh, go after, depending on what the Giants decide to do, is Will Smith.
0: He's a lefty. He's been great as their closer. I mean, the Giants have been on a tear as late to the point where Madison Bumgarner might not even be moved. Right. But Will Smith on the year. He's got 24 saves, 2.44 ERA, 65 strikeouts and
1: 44 in the third innings, only 11 walks. I don't think any of these options are off the table. I think what's on the table is the Red Sox needing to get creative if they want to improve their bullpen before the trade deadline. And figure out a way to either dump salary or, or hide it, or, or you know, stuff it under a mattress or whatever they have to do, so they don't, you know, so they don't exceed that exceed the the mandated amount that they that they need to spend. Well, or, let's go back to to starting pitching though. The other just there's just one more thing though I do yeah, want sure. to say. It's a, it's among the Red Sox Twitterati is that Mookie Betts. Could be. You never. Know. He wants to test free agency next year. You know what do you think? I don't think it's likely at all. I'm going to say that right here and right yeah. now. I don't think it's likely. But you know, at least some of the Red Sox Twitterati do feel that it that it, it's a, at least a possibility that bets be moved before the trade deadline to so as to capture as much value for him as you possibly can because you you feel like well you know we we're we're not going to be in a position a great position to sign him next year when he hits free agency. What do you think of that?
0: I think that that's a very valid point, and I think that we need to put um, Mookie Betts in the same camp as Miguel Andujar, who's currently recovering from from a shoulder injury. I said all last in, offseason,
1: right? But in what like in terms of well, I mean, has, does Andujar have an MVP? No, under his belt. No, no, but he, but he's does still, he does he have he, any Does he have any titles under his belt? No, but he's still a very good hitter. So Mookie, and my, and so Betts point, is, Betts isn't Trout. He's not Trout, but he's. He's closer to he's closer to like an Arenado or a Blackman, sure, than Miguel and Duhar.
0: Yeah, and I was and I was gonna say the only circumstances under which I would trade Duhar is if someone like Miguel uh, Noah Syndergaard was coming back, right? And I think it's gotta that, be a big it's gotta be I a think big hole. Bets you could trade him, but you better get. A haul right. in return. It's got
1: to be a big haul. It's got to feature a marquee player with lots of club control left. Marquee
0: mm-hmm. player with lots of club control left. You got to have n- a- either MLB ready or near MLB ready
1: prospects. I need a bullpen arm. Yep. I need. Uh, I need a house. I need a house in. Uh, uh, Brighton. Hamptons. Hamptons. I need a house in the nor- north. North in, in the Hamptons on North Fork. Okay, that's 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 another thing I need. Just so so look, I'm coming up with my wish list for Mookie Betts. I'm you know, well, (laughs) hold on. Now, that being said, I think it's
0: more likely that Andrew Benintendi gets traded.
1: Uh, No, I I disagree. And I'll tell you, I just I disagree. And I'll tell you. You you say your piece. I'll say mine. Go ahead. The reason why I disagree is that I believe that Andrew Benintendi is a cheaper sign. I believe it's a price tag issue with Mookie Betts. It's not necessarily a fit issue or anything like that. It's a price tag issue. I feel like they feel that they can't, that they, might, I feel that some people are under the impression that the Red Sox aren't going to be able to carry so many huge contracts. Andrew Benintendi is going to command nowhere near the amount of money that Mookie Betts will command in free agency. I agree with everything you just said. Thank
0: you. But hold on, hit me. I saw something on Twitter, and he's having a down year, yeah, I, I think this was this was Buster Olney, who tweeted this? I, c- I couldn't be wrong. But apparently Alex Cora said Benintendi needed to behave more hitterish. <laughs> so <laughs> now, combine that with Benintendi having a down year. This is pure speculation. Maybe he's got an attitude problem. Maybe he's maybe he's butting heads with Cora. could be. He's still. Got some team control left, right? He was runner-up in American League Rookie of the Year,
1: right? So why not just try to sell high on that? You how are you going to sell high when he's having a down year this year, though? That's the that analytics. I guess that, but that's my issue. So, I mean, in both, I I believe that trading either is a panic move. Because neither, yeah. because they're both kind of having a bit of a down year, given how they've gone. Well, but that, but that's. I don't think Betts is having a down year. I think he just kind of regressed to the mean because you didn't really think he was going to pull up the same numbers he did last year, did you? What I'm saying is compared to last year, and I, I believe compared to 2017, he is having a down, a bit of a down year in certain areas of his game. Okay. You know, uh, so why would I want to sell either of these guys? At the lowest point, at, at their low point, at this, you know, you know what I mean. Why would, why would I want to try to flip them, you know, when they're, when they're both arguably providing the least value they've ever provided in the last three years? Do you know what I mean? Even though Betts's year is a perfectly fine year, he's batting something like two eighty two. Uh, he's got ninety runs scored. He's on pace to break the amount of runs scored that he had. All last year, you know, so, so, so in certain areas of, you know, certain areas he's going to, he might even exceed last year, equal last year in certain areas. He hasn't been, I don't think anybody would deny that he's just quite simply hasn't had the same impact this year as he had last year. But still, the Red Sox are in the top. I believe it's still in the top five for runs scored. And you know, Devers, the up years from Devers and Bogarts and Vasquez. Devers has really surprised me this year. I, this is Devers' breakout year. Yeah, I, I mean, if I mean, if, if if you believe in selling low and if you uh, sorry, if you believe in selling high and buying low, the time to sell the time to sell is now for Devers. You know, you get you get your hole and you try to. The your, Red Sox are
0: first in runs scored. If you believe
1: that, right? No, I mean they, they mash this team. matches. them and the
0: Yankees are one
1: and two. Uh, the Red Sox have five. 580 Yankees at 578. This team mashes, and a lot of and a lot of it is due to Devers and Bogerts. Yeah, I mean they're just having phenomenal well, years. Bogarts
0: just got extended though, didn't he?
1: He did. Yeah. And I feel like there's a there's a certain part of the clubhouse, and this is total conjecture on my part. I haven't talked to anybody affiliated with or even three degrees separated from the Red Sox clubhouse. But sure. I, but I feel like there's a There. there I feel like it, it is possible that there could be a sense in certain areas of the Red Sox clubhouse as to a, a, a lack of security. Some guys feel secure. Some guys don't feel so secure. And I think it—you know things like that can affect your play. Yeah. You know, if I'm not going to be here for the long haul, what do I care?
0: I mean, I, uh, have you read the Bronx Zoo, uh, Sparky Lyle's book?
1: No, I've never read that.
0: Oh, it, it's great. He pretty much kept a diary of the 1978 season. Because 1977, he won the Cy Young right. as the Yankees closer. But then uh, George Steinbrenner went out and got Goose Gossage, mm-hmm. and Lyle was like, uh, "Okay, um, what about me? Trade me." So pretty much the it, the chronicles how the entire season he's trying to negotiate a new contract for himself, right? And he gets his money, but then he just doesn't like his role, and so then he's talking about, "Oh, maybe I want to be traded. I I don't want to be here anymore." And he got his wish. He got traded to the Texas Rangers, right? So And so even though the Yankees won the World Series that year, it does affect how a team plays because you've read about the 1978 season and the Bucky Dent game. Mm-hmm. The
1: Yankees had to claw
0: all the way back.
1: Right. I would have much rather they extended bets than Sale in this offseason.
0: I get that, but you also you don't want to – we're at the point where because it looks everyone's like, mashing the ball,
1: pitching is all the more important. But it also looks like a bad deal given the year Sale's had. We'll see. It looks like it look at right at this point. It it probably it probably won't be a bad deal, and the Red Sox have got every dime, and they'll get every, all the all the you know the perfect <clears throat> as much value as they could possibly wring out of them over the course of the extension, and I out of sale. I mean, over the course of the extension, and they'll get every penny that they that they put into them, of course. But right now, where you know where where you you know where a casual observer is sitting watching these games. The guy, one of the guys that just got a monster extension, is quite frankly he's performing the worst, arguably he's ever performed in his career. That's true,
0: and maybe his shoulders barking. Maybe it's maybe it's a World Series hangover. Right. But going back to pitching, though, that's what the Yankees are on the hunt for. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of guys out there. I've seen. I mean, Madison Bumgarner's name has been thrown around. Uh, Matthew Boyd on the on the Tigers. Marcus Stroman, your favorite guy on the Blue Jays. I,
1: they're, I think they're fools if they don't pick him
0: up. Yeah, and Marcus
1: Stroman I think would be a good pickup for the Yankees just because he's he- Assu- look assuming some assuming a one A 1A isn't available. Yeah, and you're left with you know and you're left with Boyd Stroman and Bumgarner. Given the relationship Stroman has to an in division rival, I think Stroman's the best bet.
0: Yeah, because. Now, this is no disrespect to Mass Bumgarner. The guy can throw. He has. He's a monster. He is an absolute monster. He has been red hot as of late. I'm gonna pull. Right. I'm gonna pull up his. Uh, he
1: might not get moved.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm gonna pull up his recent uh, his recent games. So on the year after, because I, I believe he did start last night. Yes, he did. Uh, today's the 24th. Yeah, he he went seven innings last night. Um, he has not won nor lost a game in July. But across four starts, one point nine six ERA. Oof, filthy. He has walked three guys in 23 innings. <laughs> and just filthy stuff. Yeah, and he's and his numbers on the year, they're okay, five and seven, three point six six ERA, which is a little high for him, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of miles on that arm. He's still he's still on the cusp of his 30th birthday. Right. I think that the Yankees could get him, but and it because there's already that there's already some sort of a relationship between them and the Giants for an office. One of their guys, Brian Sabin, used to work for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. The question comes down to cost. Right. Because the Giants right now, they're making a run. So they're saying, look, if you're gonna ask us to give up our best pitcher when we could when we are playing like a playoff team now, right. like it's he's not gonna be cheap. And that's assuming they decide to sell it all. Matthew Boyd He's really done a good job of cutting down his walks this year and upping his strikeouts. It seems like he finally learned how to control that slider of his. I've heard that Detroit wants a King's ransom for him. Yes, though. because they have to restock their minor league system. Right. And, well, if, I, and if I'm Brian Cashman, I'm telling them, no, here's what I'm going to offer you, take it or leave it. I, I, because, I feel and, the and, same way. And here's why. Matthew Boyd, coming into this year, had a career ERA over five, right. this is really the first year
1: where he's looked good. It's, I mean, it could be a flash in the pan.
0: But now we're talking to talking about Marcus Stroman, who is from New York, grew up on Long Island, and I was listening to an episode of R2C2, that's Ryan Rucco and CC Sabathia's podcast, where he was on it. He is such a smart guy. Right. He's so deep. I mean, this is someone who, he reads Deepak Chopra before every game. He has this one book where he's like this isn't a book that you just read once. It's one that you you refer to constantly. Look, he likes to be centered. He, he meditates. <laughs> I mean, the guy is I don't usually say this about athletes, but the guy is so emotionally intelligent. Right. And he's so self-aware and and he's uh, right before we got to QED where we're recording the so show.
1: So in, so so in control. He's mastered himself. Well, yeah, in a, in a in a really beautiful way. You could see it when he's strutting in front of them as he's as he's destroying the Red Sox lineup. He's he knows what he's doing. He knows he knows the impact his actions are having, and he's reveling in it because they we you know we just can't figure him out. He's living in the moment. That's that's it, man. And now this, get this: he's 28
0: years old, has a year of team control left. And on top of that, he was saying on the podcast, one thing I learned from all this is that I used to be like live or die with every pitch, but now I know like hey, once I let go of the ball, I don't have any control. And in the big moment, instead of doing more, I have to do less. Right. How many other pitchers are gonna say that with those exact
1: words? I mean it's a bit it's a bit new agey. It's a bit it's a bit woo-woo, yeah. Um, but what I will say is that Marcus Stroman appears to me to be the type of pitcher who would grow larger under the lights of Yankee Stadium, under that microscope. I think he'd get even bigger. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think having having so much attention focused on him, I feel like would benefit him and his career. Uh, and I feel like he's he's a uniquely he's uniquely suited for. For some reason, because of his makeup, he's uniquely suited for a major market like New
0: York. Now, here's the wild card in all this, because this is someone who the Yankees have had their eye on for a good long time. Uh, There's a guy on the Arizona Diamondbacks, a left-hander, Robbie Ray, who can strike guys out like nobody's business, but he has a walk problem. He might come cheaper than Stroman, just because the the Diamondbacks are—they're not like the Blue Jays, where all the young guys are coming, and they're just kind of in that weird transitionary period. Sure. The Diamondbacks are at a point where they've already traded Paul Goldschmidt. They they lost A.J.
1: Pollock in free agency. They're at the point where it looks like a rebuild is coming. Well, my question then to you would be simply this, is that what is the purpose of getting this of get of picking up this extra starter? Is this a band-aid on the hull of the Yankee ship as it steams toward the postseason, and do you expect no contribution from this person in the postseason? Or is this somebody who you expect not only to get help you get through the rest of the regular season, but also to make an impact in the postseason? Well, because if it's the latter, and there's a guy with a walk problem, I'm. I i do not want him. I don't want him pitching against the Red Sox or the Astros in the playoffs.
0: Well, it's funny you mention that, that because that'll because
1: that'll bury you by any, by the second inning, and you know it.
0: Okay, so here's where things get interesting because the Yankees also have Luis Severino, who is still not pitched this year because of a shoulder problem. He, right. He just started throwing again. He, everything seems seems to be going fine. Knock on wood. But I think that above all else, and this is where where Paxton comes in. Sure. Let's say we trade for a pitcher, and Severino can come back. Paxton, Hap, whoever, still aren't quite right. Because now you're in a position, and also in the minors, even though he's only just been promoted to AAA, there's a Davey Garcia right. who's been striking guys out like he's just waking up out of bed. And so I think that by training for another arm, you give some
1: insurance to this young and kind of roller coaster rotation. So the answer is that we don't think that the Yankees know – Exactly why they, they we we think that the Yankees know that they need another arm, but aren't sure what the demands of that on that arm will be later later in the season or that in the postseason. Yeah,
0: that seems like a very accurate way of putting it. And on and on top of that, like So you have to
1: err you have to err on the side of I need somebody who help help me get through the postseason.
0: Yeah. And we saw we saw what they did last year. They said, Okay, um frontline starters aren't readily available. Right. Let's trade for Zach Britton, which is what I was saying all, all along. I think Zach Britton has been a godsend in that Yankees bullpen because even though he's not a closer, right? Like to have a guy come on in a tight game late on and just be able to spin those ground balls with that with that devastating sinker, yeah. Um, or because like, I was reading this book actually by Tyler Kepner. Apparently, a two seamer and a sinker are kind of the same pitch, yeah. But to have someone be able to just fire off that pitch with ease, and especially late in a game, in an important game. Is a great asset to have because I said the whole reason I said get get Zach Britton last year. Look, top pitchers aren't available. Add to a, add to a position of strength. Right. The bullpen's already great, but this time if you add another arm who can eat some innings, and I'm talking, and this goes for Ray, Stroman, Bumgarner, Boyd, any of those guys. If you can get any of those people to pitch minimum six innings a night, then you can rest your bullpen accordingly. Right. Because. I said this in another article they I wrote can't for es and why? You can't rely on your bullpen to get 4 innings every
1: night. They can't use an opener either every 5th game, you know.
0: Uh, they haven't really they haven't been doing that since Ramon came I'm not,
1: back. I'm not I'm not saying that that's what they've been doing, but I'm saying that you know, after a while, the bullpen bullpens get overtaxed when they're overused. And too much and as we see with the Red Sox, if you're using 4 or 5 guys a night, you know, that's tough. Yeah. Each of those guys has to be on. You know, if one guy's having an off night, there goes the lead. Now, thankfully, the Yankees are, have depth up the wazoo in the
0: bullpen. Chad Green could probably go again tonight if we needed him to. Tommy Canley has looked a lot better. Uh, Dylan Batantis is supposed to come back, but we'll see. Right. Uh, either way, it's a good problem they have when you have that much bullpen depth. Sure. But the Yankees, they – I think that – okay, Here's what I said. here's what I said in my piece. If they trade for a starter – they're the expendables. Now, you've seen the movie The Expendables, right? Yes. Okay, so okay, it's a bunch of old and young guys on paper, mm-hmm. but you know what you're gonna get and you're gonna have a fun time. Right. And if they don't trade for an arm, they run the risk of becoming the Towering Inferno, where
1: it looks good on paper, but it's really a hot mess. Right. Or well, it's a house of cards. Yes. You know, one one, you know, one spark sets the whole thing afire. I, I'm not sure that I agree with you that the Yankees are quite that thin at the starting ro- in the in the starting rotation. It's not that they're
0: thin; it's just that um, on any given night, you don't know what CC Sabathia is going to give you. You don't right. know what Paxton's going to give right. you. Happ has had trouble with the long ball all year long. Right. But it's just a matter of
1: you need to p- add some stability
0: to that rotation.
1: All right. So gun to your head, who do you want, Stroman? Yeah, I think Stroman's the best. Battle. Yeah, I mean, I've or Bumgarner. To-
0: if they're going to give him up, I wouldn't mind about Bumgarner if he's available. But it's a, it's got to be for the right price, and b his hard contact the past couple of years has, I think, gone up by twenty something points. Yes, but his July has been spectacular. It's one month, and <laughs> Yankee Stadium is a lot different than, I don't even know what it's called anymore, AT and T Park, Pac Bell. No, that was what that was before AT and T. Right. But either way, that's a pitcher's park. We have the the short porches on the right and left side. If he, I think getting someone with in division experience would be the best, yeah. And Strowman, like he, his numbers in Yankee Stadium aren't the best, but look at who he's been facing, right? So I think that if you switch the uniform, sure you, yeah, he's going to give it. Up could, some it more long balls, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, do you want him to be J Hap, who was lights out for us last year, or Esteban Loiza? Right. Well, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Either way, it's um it's going to be a very exciting deadline. Someone's going to be moved, and teams are really going to make moves closer closer to the date this year. Because as you know, there's no more waiver trades this Absolutely. year. Absolutely, which I'm actually okay with. Yeah, so it should be a nice little feeding frenzy we get at the end of the month. It's going to be like the buffet at the Borgata. <laughs> Gun to your head. What do you when you want the Red Sox to do?
1: Um, we got, right. We got a minute left. Go ahead. I, they they've got to get another bullpen arm if they don't if they move Yavaldi back to the starting rotation and just. Just stick with the original plan and get yourself another arm of the bullpen. get Get yourself a, is, if you need to move some salary and get a top line at least, Who at least somebody who at least who is at least on paper a top line a top flight arm uh, for the for the back of the bullpen. Now here is
0: another question for you: If the Red Sox continue on on this current path, like miss the playoffs right after the World Series, how much do you blame Cora?
1: I don't. I blame whoever plant whoever put the roster together. Because one thing I've been saying most of the season, really since about May, is that they built a team that they're like some New England Patriots teams I've seen in the past. It's a team that is looks great on paper when an all cylinders are firing, firing, they're a juggernaut. But the second one thing goes wrong, and something always goes wrong in baseball, especially in the bullpen, second one thing goes wrong, it tends to fall apart a little bit. I would blame whoever's the architect of this you know, if they miss the playoffs, I would blame whoever the architect of this roster ultimately was, and that's Dabrowski. All right. Well, that's a fitting
0: in right as the timer goes off. That's all the time we got today, Paul e. Day Oh, man. I know.
1: We could sit here all day and
0: talk if we could, but we can't. We don't have to go home, but we can't stay here. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to the You May Be Right podcast, folks. You could find me on Twitter at Josh B E S N Y. Uh, are you still at, at Paulie D Says? Uh, at Paulie D Says. All right. Uh, you still doing another Sox blog? I am. All right. Uh, tell us about that for a hot second.
1: You know, just hasn't been updated in a little bit, but looking forward to some uh, longer-form stuff in August and September, so stay tuned. All
0: right. So, uh, special thanks to ESNY. Special thanks to the QED at Astoria. Yes. We'll always love recording here. they got great raspberry iced tea, which I've been drinking this entire broadcast. They really do. All right. So, hopefully uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox can get some things done before the trade deadline. Thanks to Robbie Sabo, Sabo, ESNY, the Pulse of New York City Sports, and the Voice of New York City Sports. And you know what they say, Paulie D. What's that, JB? You may be wrong, but for all I know, you may be right.